Our lesson today finds us in 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 17 to 20 in a minute. We're in Kings as we follow along this story. Elijah is now gone. The chariots have picked him up. He dropped his mantle. Elijah gets double portion of his share of the spirit. And we see Elijah in action. He's going along. If we just went back to chapter 5. Uh, Elijah heals a leper, uh, the royal person, and he does it in the Jordan River. It's a good story to read. Uh, we get over there to 6. Uh, he starts off with that a man is chopping down a tree on the river, and he borrowed an axe, and the axe head falls off. It's an iron axe. Think about the time. You know, today, we just run down to Western Auto or some other place and get an axe, but not in these days. You could not... And the guy was worried because it was a borrowed axe. And Elijah comes along, throws the sticks in him, floats his iron axe. Uh, And so we're going along, and the story there goes where the king of Syria, Syria is the same Syria today over over in the Middle East, which is going to be important later on in life. But the king of Syria wants to attack Israel. But they realize Israel has something that, uh, that needs to be dealt with first. It's called this prophet Elijah. Elijah is not only a prophet, he can not only tell about the future, but he can also has power. And when he speaks, the Lord listens. And so it's during this time that Elijah is on his trip. He has a servant with him. The Syrian army, not just one or two people to get Elijah, they send the whole army after him. And they're going along, the, the servant wakes up and on the hillside, he sees all the Syrian army waiting to attack and he's nervous. And so he asks Elijah, what are we going to do? As any of us probably would, what are we going to do? So actually I'm going to start with verse 16, but Elijah said, so he answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than we're with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire (laughs) all around Elijah. So when the Syrians came down, Elijah prayed to the Lord and said, strike these people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elijah. This is the word of God for the people of God. You're getting a little better than 9 o'clock, but we're going to be working on that. If you all will work on that one thing, I will work on trying to follow the bulletin, all right? In six or seven years, we both may be in the right place together, all right? Uh, it takes me about that long to uh, learn a bulletin. So with that going on, here he goes along, and his first line is, do not fear. We hear that a lot in the Bible, do we not? My first thing I come to when I think about that is Mother Mary. When the angel comes to her, when she's trembling, what does she say? Do not fear. We hear it when the angels come to Daniel or or others, even John in Revelation. What do you hear? Do not fear. Do not fear. That is a lesson that we need to learn that's harder to learn. It's easier to talk about than it is to learn. The doctor calls and says, cancer's back. God says, do not fear. The boss calls and says, there's layoffs. God says, do not fear. Your spouse, your husband, your wife comes home and says, I don't love you anymore. 
I want a divorce. God says, do not fear. The bank calls and calls in on the mortgage loan and you don't have the money. God says, do not fear. And we go along with that. God tells us not to worry about tomorrow. Do not fear. The list could go on and on, whatever's going on in your personal life. The list could go on and on. The main point of the message, we're going to cut straight to the main point of the message is, God is fighting for you today. God of the creator of this universe is fighting for you today. The first week I was here, we had a message on Luke 15 that God loves you. Uh, the next week is, the last week was that, that God wants to talk to you. God wants to be in relationship with you. This week is that God is fighting for you. God is fighting for you. And the lesson there comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God can be for you, who? There's, a, there's something that we need to remember and to learn. If God is for me, who is against me? Who could ever be against me? But, you know, there's something I know that's really, it is easier to preach five good sermons than it is to live one. It really is. And I learned this lesson kind of the hard way, maybe not a life traumatic event, but we had this lady in one of my other churches, a great lady. She did a lot of work for the church and she loved the Lord, but she was one of those people with a lot of physical ailments and she was in and out of the hospital quite a bit with little things. She was in and out of the hospital quite a bit and she had some other things going in her life. And I used to always tell her, I says, you know, I'd always quote James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. It's one of my favorite verses there. Is when you find yourself in trials and tribulations, count it with great joy. Be joyful. Because through these trials and tribulation, uh, you build your patience and your faith, and you learn to trust God even more. And, and so with that, well, one day, we're going along, it was Christmas time. And we got this big old Christmas tree in the sanctuary, and I'm putting lights on it. I'm on the ladder putting lights on it. And so Taylor was either, she tore ACL real sick. She's in Kansas. We're here. There's a lot going on, and we could not get there. Uh, it was just kind of a mess. There's a couple other things going on. I was on top of this ladder kind of grumbling. Uh, well, if you get to know me, I'll do that from time to time. Wine, we call it. I just bring the, you know, uh, get the violin out because I got the wine and the cheese, and uh, I would be good to go. And so I'm on this ladder, and this lady sits there and says, Larry. Have you counted it with great joy that you fell in these trials and tribulations? I wanted to get off that ladder and yeah, you know what. But, uh, but kind of come to realize, sometimes as a pastor, it's so easy to share. Oh, don't worry, the Lord's taking care of that. The Lord's taking care of But when you're living it, it's hard. I got a pastor friend of mine. He's a Lutheran pastor friend, retired guy. He's had his kidney removed for kidney cancer, and it's still in the stem, whatever. All his chemo and chemo and uh, radiation is doing is prolonging his days. He cannot get rid of this cancer. They will not get rid of this cancer. And, and so we know this, and he calls me the other day, a couple weeks ago. He says, Larry, can you come pray with me? He says, I just feel hopeless. I'm tired. The loss of energy. He says, I'm about to give up. Can you come pray with me? And so I've been over there, I'm praying with him, he's a good guy, we've known each other for quite a while. And I thought, you know, I was sitting there talking to him, I said, you know, the irony of this is, how many times did a family member or a church member call you, and you were the light of hope to them? 
And now you're the one in the need of hope. And so we must be reminded, we must be reminded by the family of God that God is fighting for us. God is fighting for us. And we need to realize that in Romans 8, 28, that all things work for the glory of God. But we still said those are just easy passages that spill out. But life is hard, people. I know you know this already, and I know this already, that life is hard and all doesn't always come together right. And one of my Bible, Bible verses for this is, is Luke chapter 24, 22, excuse me, verses 31 to 34. This is where Jesus comes to Peter, and he calls him Simon in this verse. He says, Simon, Satan has come to me and asked to sift you, and I've given him permission. What? You know, Jesus, I've left my wife and my kids. I left the fishing boat business. I've done all this stuff for you. And Satan comes, and you're going to let him do what he's going to do? Sounds like Job, does it not? Same story here. What I come to realize also is, in Oswald Chambers, we all have the Oswald Chambers devotion. I was doing this men's devotional when I first got in the ministry. It's around October, something. My utmost highest is this devotion. It says, the current situation you're going through may not be for your benefit. It may be to give strength to somebody else. In this Bible verse here, chapter 22, verse 34, it says, so Peter, when you come through this, so your brothers will be strengthened. Your brothers, the people around you will see the glory of God because I'm going to put this trial upon you. And I want those people that are borderline in their faith, I want them to see how you act so they can be strengthened when it comes to their turn being the trial situation. What? I mean, I'm like, God, come on. Life is hard enough without you allowing it to happen or going on. But that's just the way it is. And what I've come to realize in ministry is with the, most Christians are nearsighted people. We're all nearsighted. We can see what's right in front of us or just down the road just a little bit. And that's what we're praying about. God, I need help with my wife. I need her husband. God, I need help with my finances. God, I need this. God, I need this. God, And we got this whole me, me, me list of God things that I need. I need it today. I need to be healed from the sickness. I need to be healed from that. And when we come along, though, in this whole process, we got to understand why did God take off glory, come to be born of the virgin, and to be raised and to die on the cross for our sins. God is not so much worried about the day in, day out. I'm not saying don't pray about it. I don't say God doesn't change things. I have seen God change things. His miracles are for other people to see the glory of God. But what the God is, the end game, if you will, the end thing is salvation is the goal. See, we're worried about this 80 years of life, 70 to 80, maybe 90 if you're lucky. How much is 70 to 80, 90 years compared to eternity? Think about that all of a sudden. What is 70 or 80 years compared to eternity of forever and ever and ever? And, and so the whole message here is that salvation is our goal. 
Uh, we were never promised an easy life. Jesus never said, come to me. You know, he does say, come to me, the yoke is going to be light. But what he never promised us easy life, he also tells us that when you come to me and you claim me, I'm going to have you. I'm not going to have you, but you're going to be held up on trial. They're going to kill you. They're going to torture you. You're going to get sick. You're going to fall into trials and tribulation. All these things are going to happen to you as a Christian, but have faith. Don't fear the one that can kill the body. Fear the one that can kill the soul. And the goal is Jesus coming to this world living and dying on the cross, rising again, was not so we could have an easier life now, is that we can have eternity with God. And that's the message for today, is that we can have eternity with God. And Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, that we are to work out our salvation with trembling and fear. How often, people? Man, daily. Daily is the right answer on that. Daily we're to work out our, our salvation and fear. How we, live, how we live our life today matters. Whatever our lot is, whatever our lot is in life, whether you got cancer, how you live it in front of other people will share. If you got financial problems, how you live it in front of other people. If you got marriage problems, how you deal with that in front of other people matters. It all matters. And we're to work out our salvation with friendly, uh, trembling and fear. What we need to know is that uh, what we need to know is that God is fighting for us regardless of the situation you're in today. God is fighting for us. He has already won the battle. The battle has not only been fought, but the battle has been won. The battle has been won. And what we need to learn sometimes is to stop, stop trying so hard. To stop trying so hard. Do you realize that you cannot add one day to your life? My pastor friend, when I was talking to him, you know, he was talking, he's just discouraged, want to give up. Well, you can give up, but you're not going to die before the day in which God says you're going to die. He's already accounted your days. He's already anointed your days on this earth. And so we need to stop trying so hard. We need to stop fighting so hard because the fight has already been won. Salvation is our goal. Salvation is our goal. It's a free gift given to God to those, <coughs> excuse me, salvation to those who confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But let me add one thing to that. I know a lot of people confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they don't live it. We must believe it in our heart. It must be believed in our heart and to know that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that he died for that, and he has erased the past. Sometimes in the midst of the fight, whatever the fight may be, whether it's sickness, whether it's trouble, whatever it is, sometimes, you know what we need to do? Psalms 46.10 tells us, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we need to stop the fight and rest in God's presence. We need to stop fighting and rest in God's presence knowing that God has already won that battle for us. I like the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. This is where David comes down. He comes to bring food to his brothers. His brothers are in war with the, uh, the Philistines and Goliath. This is a story of David and Goliath. And, you know, uh, Saul tries to dress him up, and he can't get dressed up because he's such a little. He's a young, young man, and he, the armor doesn't fit him. And he goes, and he picks up five stones with the sling. And he, he's really mad at the Israelites. He's really mad at the Israelites. 
And he comes and the Philistine, the Goliath, is giving him a hard time. And Goliath sits there and says, you send this little boy to fight against me? And what does David say? You're going to learn I like interactive services sometimes. What does David say? Anybody? Besides Tammy. She's already heard the sermon once. What does David say? What? The Lord is on my side. I come in the name of the living God. God is not dead. God is not absent. God is here today with us. God was here before you even decided to get out of bed. The Holy Spirit, which is God, was here and was prepared for you to come into worship. The living God is fighting for us. The Holy Spirit has gone before us. And the people, the battle has already been won. We come today. I come to you today to deliver a message. The choir come today to sing. The Boy Scouts, when they come for the the flag, all that was happening today come in the name of the living God. Not a dead God. Not an absent God. Not a God that's forgotten yet. But the living and active God in our lives today. If you don't feel the presence of God... And many people will say, and I'm sure that day will come here, man, that sermon was horrible. That singing wasn't good. You know what really the problem really is? Not always is it the preacher or the singing. Sometimes it is. But if you come in the name of the living God to worship God, no matter what's going on up here, your heart will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your heart will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we come, we come in the name of the living God. I will pray for you as if you pray for me. We are here to lift each other up. The church's responsibility is to lift each other up. I, I was watching a movie one day. How do most miracles happen, people? You realize how most miracles happen? Is that other people interacting with other people. We want some miracle. We want God. You know, I need my bank account filled. We just want God to come up and fill our bank account. How it happens is, is when we're tight money, then somebody show up. When we need prayer, we need visitation. We need to be lifted up. God sends somebody else to do that work, to be the best. If you want to see a miracle today, I will promise you, you can see a miracle today. If you will go out and love somebody and be a miracle in their life. You will see it. God has chosen you to be the miracle worker. And know how he's chosen you to do it? The living God that he lives in us is just to be kind and love one another. Just be kind and love one another. You know, we come to realize, we we pray for all these things, and I'm not going to tell us to stop praying for them, but the end game, if you will, I'm not sure I like that term yet or not, but the end, the goal of our life is salvation. The goal of our life is salvation, eternity with God. That's the goal. That is the goal of the whole thing. And we need to realize that God has already fought that battle, and God has already won. He already fought the battle, he's already won. And so as we get ready to close the service, let me ask a couple questions to you. Honestly, ask yourself honestly, do you know that the Father in heaven loves you? And there's not anything that he wouldn't do for you that he hasn't already done for you? Do you feel the, God, the Father's love in your life? Number two, God loves all of humanity. You have to accept that love. Have you accepted the love of the Father in heaven for your life? God is for you. 
He has already fought a battle for your salvation and won. So as we come today as our, at the end of the sermon, if you don't know about the Father's love, or you maybe you haven't feel you might have been to church your whole life. Or the first time I was at church, a guy was 89 years old, been to church, he rebuilt the church at a storm tore down and accepted Christ. He said, I've been in church the whole time, but I've rejected the Father's love. Do you really understand how much he loves you and how much he wants relationship with you? Let's get it right with God today if we need to. Let us pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask that you just open up the heavens and drown us in your, in your Holy Spirit, Lord. I don't ask you to make our life any easier, but I just make your love be poured upon us stronger than we understand it. Let us come together as family, Lord, to lift each other up, to build each other up. And Lord, as we look towards that glorious day when you call us home, whether it's through death or whether it's through the, uh, through the rapture, Lord, but today the church is called home when we sing and say, holy, 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 Lord. Let us look forward to that day. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.